When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am joined by John Paul Mason. And I seen just the other day there, uh, JP, that the fact that we ran a, a previous episode one time and it was Paul, John, John, Paul and Declan seemed to ruffle a few feathers. I don't know why, <laughs> to be honest with you. How are you, JP? Hi, good. Uh, looking forward to getting back to Celtic Park on Sunday. Feels like it's been a while, so um, didn't make it to any other uh Weird and wonderful football grounds last weekend. So, Stenhouse Muir Forfar remains my most recent football match. Um, but I'm looking forward to the first ever meeting of Celtic and Bucky Thistle. Is is that is that a fact? Or well, we did play them in a friendly. We right. did play them in a friendly, but certainly the first competitive meeting of the two clubs. And I was talking another week there, JP, about the fact that you know, obviously, when we're drawn against a uh, a lower league club or a provincial club, you're going to have to push it a wee bit more uh, when it comes to trying to get punters in the door. I mean, it's not on the season ticket, um, but all I've seen is a few tweets and a few emails coming through promoting it. You want it to be an occasion, even though you are playing uh, a kind of lesser quality side. And I always think back to uh, the Hamden season, where obviously we won the Scottish Cup, but we played Meadowbank Thistle that season. In the Scottish Cup, and it was Why just one of the say Whitehill Welfare. I do remember that being around about that, that one. Aye. Aye, and I think the the Whitehill Welfare one. Correct me in the comments. I'm not going to Celtic wiki it. Correct me in the comments. I'm sure it was a Whitehill Welfare home tie, and they played at Easter Road. I think that was the scenario, mm. um, and we we played in a strange uh, kit that ended up we were wearing away socks with a home kit or the other way about. But yeah, I just think that it was one of the ones you're going to really have to push it to try and get um, a, a right good crowd, JP. Are you going along yourself? You got your tickets for it? I have won the Home Cup ticket scheme, so I'll 
yeah, just get it automatically all being well. There's been a few a few niggles in the past when you've had your card supposed to be activated and then you go and it's it's not on it. Most uh, concerningly over the Man City Champions League game when I arrived at the at the, the turnstile to flash my card, my card went red and I'm running down to the ticket office checking my bank to make sure the money had come out for the payment and it had so I was like why is this not working and and then that and uh, what do you call it we scored in the well I was in the queue and then when I got back in it was one each and about two minutes later Kieran Tierney scored so I'm still a wee bit miffed at that about missing the start of that game and all the rest of it but maybe maybe the game wouldn't have gone the way it did if, if I'd have been in from the start superstition and all that but yeah, I know on Sunday, yeah. Brilliant. No, I, I like playing sides. It's the same in Europe. I mean, listen, uh, the the big nights in Europe never get old. Uh, but I know that it, get, it got to the point a couple of seasons ago where Carlo McGregor was actually saying he wants to play Real Madrid, JP, because we had faced um, some similar opposition over the years uh, a couple of times or more. And it's a wee bit like that with the Cup. You've got the romanticism of the Cup. I know that... Uh, one of your favourite, uh, certainly, football movies of all time was all about uh, giant killing cup games featuring Robert Duvall. What a glory. What oh. a <laughs> I mean, genuinely, if anybody out there hasn't seen that film, and there's probably quite a few because I don't think it did that well. It wasn't exactly uh, in the in the Oscars list, put it that way, <laughs> kind of straight to VHS, although I do have a copy of it on DVD. Um it's brilliant. It's just a really weird film about a fictitious football club called Kilnocky. I think they're called Kilnocky Thistle, maybe, and features real footballers in it as actors <laughs> like Andy Smith, Owen Coyle, Didier Agat. Agat, yeah. Yeah, they're all in, in this film. And, and Ali McCoist is a former Celtic striker, and they, they, they um, <laughs> used creative. CGI to like make him look like some of the goals he scored against Celtic were for Celtic uh, in like a green or a green and white. But, uh, oh, what was his name? Was it Jake McQuillan? Uh, Jackie McQuillan. Jackie, Jackie McQuillan. And then Michael Michael Keaton's in it as well, which is absolutely insane that Michael Keaton, he must have done that as a favour to Robert Duvall or there's no way, or a tax thing or something, there's no way he wanted to be in that film for the benefit of his career because a cursory glance at the script would surely have told you that it wasn't going to get him any bigger roles <laughs> anything anywhere else. <laughs> was it from that that I know we, we digress. I apologise in advance. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's about football. Was that the you know, is that the reason that Duval fell in love with Jinky? Was it during his yep. time filming in Scotland? Is that how he's a big Jimmy Johnson fan? Yeah, I think, I think it was. I think, I think I think Duval said about Jimmy Johnson that he's like the best person that he's ever met. <laughs> and that's like regardless of whether it was in Hollywood or or anywhere else, it was just he loved having part with with Jimmy Johnston. So yeah. I think I think Robert Duval also had a misstep in holding up a Ranger scarf. Somebody got him to hold up a Ranger scarf and uh, I, I don't I don't think there was any real like oh I, I support Rangers or anything like that. I think he was just 
hoodwinked into, into doing it. So Try to keep the fans happy, JP, yeah. that are asking for a photograph. But, you know, I've seen that that clip. It surfaces from time to time on uh, Twitter of uh, Tom Cruise and Deval getting an interview and he talks about Jinky, doesn't he? And I think, did he not name his dog Jinky? Yeah. Yeah, these dog jinky, <laughs> brilliant. Um, but so yeah, we're talking about uh, cup upsets. Obviously, we're we're hoping that does not happen this weekend, JP. But we've seen a few in the past. Let's not forget. I mean, yeah, the big one going on about Inverness Cali Thistle under John Barnes. Inverness Cali Thistle uh, beat us again under Martin O'Neill. You'll remember uh, mm-hmm. away from home, and there was also the Clyde game, which was horrendous. Yeah, uh, I remember our both taking us to a replay, and we beat them one 0 uh, Morton beat us in the League Cup. So there are occasions, and that... I never, hear, that, I never hear the end of that Morton one, by the way. That's a, you've that's got a pal a, who's a Morton fan, right? Annual, an annual reminder on that day every year from Dave <laughs> McGeechan about that about that uh, result. Um, but I no, there's, there has been a few, but I, I always like it when we get an away tie, but it's sometimes when you get away ties, it's Mission Impossible... Uh, Tom Cruise reference there, another one, <laughs> to get tickets because these clubs and grounds aren't really uh, built for for a Celtic support coming along. You know, the, you need to treble or quadruple the, the size of the ground in order to accommodate the amount of people that want to go to these games, even though it is on a freezing cold weekend in January. Is there something about going out, going out, going to away games at that time that's, I don't know, it's great, like, it's old school. It's, it's like you were saying, it's the romanticism of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when, obviously, that, that, that period of time when Rangers uh, started off life in the, the bottom league and they've gone through all the different divisions, JP, and there was someone who had the foresight to have a, a temporary stand and what he was doing was renting it to all these wee football teams that maybe didn't have the, the facility behind it. And he made a fortune over that period of time. Um, and then there was the the story that just surfaced recently on, um, I think it was JP Taylor, the Celtic SLO's uh, Twitter page, talking about the fact that when we had the temporary stand under Fergus, Fergus also used to rent it out, JP. So it had to be restructured for every home game. He would rent it out. He was like, I'm not leaving that sitting there when I could be renting it out. And he would ah, rent it out. Genuinely, genuinely didn't know that until today. <laughs> and that's... that's that or stood in that stand a few times uh, you know during its inception uh, I can remember being absolutely hammered in it one day when I thought we were I, I thought Reggie Blinker was still in the park and I was shouting for him to get taken off and <laughs> he'd been sent off in the first half it was against Motherwell um, and all the guys in the boot were slagging me because I, I was definitely more than three sheets to the wind but um, I I know I was it was a long time ago, but I can remember it. I remember the temporary stand, yeah. Well, were you in the temporary stand the day that Andy Tom scored uh, a characteristic bullet, this time against Dundee United, where we've, we've pulled the game back 1-2-1 one, one late on? Were you at that game? Pierre equalised. Pierre Van Huyden Pierre and did, on, yes. And Andy Aye. Tom scored. No, no, I was, that, that, was on, that was on BBC, if I remember, and... I ran out to my dad who was in the back garden when the equaliser went in and thought, oh, we've got a replay. You know, it, it, it all's not lost. And then, and then, lo and behold, scored the winner and didn't need a replay. So I do remember that. That was that was on console telly, as they call it. So uh, I remember watching it. I didn't have Sky. 
Well, the reason I bring it up, we've gone from, you know, cup upsets to away grounds using temporary stands to Fergus uh, using the temporary stand to a goal that was scored in front of that uh, by, by a Paul. German. By a German. We got there in the end. We got there, <laughs> A long way for a shortcut. Um, and yeah, obviously, there was the first press conference with our new signing, uh, Nicholas Cunn, I think you pronounce it. Um oh. I'm, I'm being told. And uh, yesterday, we had Jim Orr up there representing Axon. Uh, it's always great. And then what then happens is the club will send you either the audio or the video. We got the video through and I decided to fire it up on the social media channel. It's not yet up on YouTube because I think most of the other fan media channels will have it up there. I might add it on there as well to one of the playlists. But the reason we're bringing it up, obviously, I thought he spoke, spoke very, very well. You can't, listen, you can't judge players on how they deal with the first press conference. JP, but I was talking yesterday with a pal of mine about I, I never want to hear somebody coming in and saying, oh, Celtic are the only club I ever wanted to play for, mm-hmm. right? Because we've seen that speech bubble on the front cover and not the view time and time again mm-hmm. uh, as a parody. But at the same time, I also don't like players coming in and saying, oh, this is a, gr- a great platform I want to play in England. And it's about trying to get that sweet spot somewhere in the middle where there's the real respect for Celtic but not building himself up for a fall. Because I think Bangura <laughs> said that he wanted to use Celtic as a platform, and the, the most recent one was Quan. But yesterday I felt that our new signing did very, very well. It comes across as though uh, he's quite humble um, and focused, and I think he does see this opportunity because he's one of these guys who has been like a prodigious talent who's maybe not quite lived up to the hype so far. Yeah, I, I was listening to... Uh, 20 Minute Tims do a, a scouting report on players when they sign and they, they speak to someone who takes a kind of deep dive into the player's past and gives you, you know, it's not all about the stats, but about what, club, what, what managers they've worked with and what clubs they've been at and basically how the trajectory of his career has been so far. And although it wasn't mentioned in that scouting report, what I did take from the timestamps of all the the sort of main uh, moves in his career so far is that it kind of crossed over during the COVID period. So like right. 2020, 2021, well, 19, 20, 2021, 22. So I'm not for a second saying that without COVID, he would be doing something different, but it may well be the case that he would be because I just think that time was so weird, like that there's no doubt that it's, it's maybe been the making of some players and not and 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 to the uh, detriment of others um just because people could have been on a particular uh rise and then that's come along derailed them whatever mentally football wise whatever so it does it is interesting that he's just turned 24 so if you think about it four years ago he was 19. And or nineteen twenty, and that's when that's when you were in the deep in the lockdown and co- the pandemic and everything. So uh, it does seem like he's kind of bounced about a lot of clubs, good clubs, and uh, Ajax and Bayern Munich. You can't say that they're not uh, big clubs, and there's not there's no real shame in not being able to become a first team player at that at those clubs. I don't think we would have been in for him if he was. But the fact is that those clubs signed him in the first place. Um, and I, I've heard bits and bobs about he's an, in, an injury prone, but I, I don't really see any. Or that, that wasn't mentioned in the scouting report that the 
the guys did at 20 minute Tim's. So I don't really know where that's come from and if that if that carries any any weight. But I mean, I, I, I'm mainly excited about it because it it seems on the face of it to be Brendan Rodgers signing. I he's spoken about the player. I know they spoke about some of the players that came in in the summer, but it seems to be that conversations with Brendan Rodgers have played a big part in him coming here in the first place. Yeah. I would have thought. The, the only thing you can do in the, in this scenario, I mean, again. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm quite chilled about it. I, I think that um, the reason, <clears throat> one of the reasons, JP, and I've pitched this, and I've been called an apologist and uh, pro-board cheerleader and all the rest of social media for saying this, I would much rather take our time and, and the reason I'm saying it is I thought the summer transfer window was, you know, largely a bit of an abomination. I think from it, what we're going to get is we are going to be able to uh, pull maybe three players, maybe three, maybe four players all, all in out of that transfer window who will do a job. But what we needed at the time wasn't players that were going to take six months or 12 months or 18 months to bed in. We needed far more players for the, the start of 11. And... On the one hand, it surprised me that we brought in another winger, but on the other hand, I'm thinking, right, he must be the one we want because it's taken us, what, 17 days to bring him in. Um, Jungle Lion says we're in no rush because we've got two home games coming up, and I, I get exactly what he means here. Bucky Thistle, Ross County. We've got a squad that, that should be more than capable of beating both these sides without having any complacency about it. JP, if we approach the games the way that we normally do, prepare for them, and uh, we play anywhere near our ability and the standard that we can, we will win both games comfortably. So there could well be the thought process where we don't have to get all the guys in in the first two weeks of the window uh, for the for the Bucky, Bucky Thistle game. So I totally understand that. There are reports today um, from decent sources in relation to what else we're working on, who else is going to come in, hence the tagline that um, we are looking for a left-back and a striker. And I don't think that comes as any real surprise, JP, but I'm going to go back to the point I made. If the guy you want isn't available or the people you're being you know, offered aren't up to your standard, I'd rather we didn't bring somebody in who's not going to be playing football. We've got far too many of them at the club already. Well, you just said we could, probably, we could potentially pull, did you say three or four or four or five from the the summer transfer window that you could be positive about? I think Palma um, and I think Bernardo, and I know, by the way, it could be a flash in the pan, but I'm just going by what I've seen in the last four games from him. I think he is in the picture. Novrotsky, I think, has shown enough that 
second half of the season. Brennan Rodgers has said that he could be one of the players. And then I'm, I'm not decided at the moment about Yang and home. I think both of them have shown flashes, JP, but they could well be guys that might start showing it in another six months. But I think, yeah, maybe three or four, four or five players. If that's the case, then you're looking at the, that fits in with the narrative of Celtic having a kind of 50-50 hit rate when it comes to transfers. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it's kind of perfectly aligned if you scroll back the last, I don't know how many years, but certainly the last four or five, if you stack up all the, the transfers, it kind of kind of evens it out at a 50-50. And that's just not good enough for a club of our size. We should be hitting, I'd say, comfortably 70-30 in terms of in terms of hits versus misses. Mm-hmm. Um, shouldn't it be 50-50? Because 50-50 is a lot of money getting hemorrhaged and well, we all know where that's going right now in terms of a, a keeper that's only played twice, a midfielder that's you know barely played you know more than more than five or six games, uh, and, and James McCarthy and and there's others as well. The Burnaby transfer as well is is still something that rankles, especially as we're now, as you say, in the tagline, looking for a left back when we've actually got one in the building, but he's not uh, trusted to to be given a jersey, really, is he? I mean, he's... I, I, in, in the same way as I don't see Burnaby ever being a first-team player for Celtic, I don't see Yang being a first-team player for Celtic. i just not been overly down on the guy. I just don't see that. So that he would be somebody that I would expect to to go either out on loan or, or permanent this month or in the summer because the quality that you're bringing in with... Uh, with um with with Kun Kun, um I I just think it's 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 night and day compared to what you've got there with, with him and there's only a couple of years difference in age. It's not as if I think everyone thinks there's all this room for development with so many players, but players are all all they're going to be at at a certain point in time. You know, I don't think there's like this huge chasm of development for someone like Yang. Also, O as well. I, I, do I see a future where O is the first team striker at Celtic? No. <laughs> and I, I just don't think if Kyogo was to leave, um, I don't think O suddenly becomes number one striker and all our all our prayers are answered. It's just It doesn't seem that way for me just from what I've seen of him so far. And, and I, I just don't know if there's that massive room for development there. And he's been here a while. This is the thing. Um, I was talking about development yesterday because obviously we're bringing in a player who's 24 years of of age and I'm going to go back to one of the original points you made JP because Celtic have to look for these wee nuggets we, we need to look for guys that perhaps at one point were prodigious t- talents and for whatever reason it's not worked out because Jota was one of these guys right Jota was one of these players who uh, you know in the Benfica Academy he was so so highly rated um, and it didn't actually happen for him. Um, you look at a, a, a striker in Eduard, and I spoke about this yesterday. When we when we brought in Eduard on loan uh, from PSG's academy, he played 17 games of senior football. 17 games! Mm. You know, so you're, you're taking a chance here, and I like the fact that we brought him in on loan first, as we did with Jota, as we did with CCV. Um, Bernardo might be the, the next in that type of player that we bring in. We try it out. If they're no good, we send them back like Abelgaard and Jens, 
And if they are good, then we, we decide whether or not they're worth the transfer fee. But I think at 24, um, he's a player that, like you said, if he had kicked on, he wouldn't be anywhere near Celtic because he mm. would have made it at Bayern Munich or he would have made it at Ajax. Could it be that a particular coach can tap into some of the facets of a player's ability that he's no he's not doing right? Um, I think, yeah, yeah, you can. And one of the examples I would I would use is uh, Virgil van Dijk. So when Virgil van Dijk signs for Celtic, and we've got a wee bit of an insight on the Johan Mialbi night. Check it out because we recorded it and it's on the uh, YouTube channel. Where I wanted to know what the process was, JP. How you know how did Neil Lennon and his management team sign players back then? And he explained the Van Dyke deal and um, the the game that Mialbi had to go and watch. Uh, he was up against Ajax, as it happens. And the two goals that Ajax scored that day, who's to blame but Virgil van Dijk? And of course, Mialbi, from a defensive perspective, is watching this. It's the third and final scouting mission that, that Celtic had been on. Lenny had watched the first two. And then he gives the, the scouting report. But the question is, why hadn't van Dijk been signed before we bought him? You know, why, why didn't... And then when he comes in, Lenny... He was basically the reason why there is a saying, which is, oh, he's a Rolls Royce of a player, because that was Van Dyke, right? And he came in and he was head and shoulders above his teammates and the guys he was playing against. But there was loads of development in his game. And again, on one of the um, the older interviews that I did with Ronnie Dyler on the Axrom channel, check it out on YouTube, he spoke about the development. And it sometimes isn't even the ability side of it, it's the lifestyle. So Dyla spoke about Van Dyke had to sort out his lifestyle if he wanted the big move. And then, of course, he didn't get the big move. He got the move to Southampton. And then he gets the big move. So I think players can develop at different times. And some of the examples I was using the other day, I thought Armstrong developed really well under Rodgers. I think he was 24 at the time when Rodgers came in. Um, there's an argument to suggest that, that McGregor developed a fair bit. I know he was a wee bit younger, I think. McGregor would have been 23 maybe at the time, 22. Um, and there, there were others as well under Brendan Rodgers. So I've got no doubt that that Con for me is a player that there's bags and bags of potential. And people don't like you talking about potential when you're talking about a 24 year old. <laughs> and that's the issue, JP, right? Because like, they say, well, whatever he's going to do, he's done it. But I think if you marry it up with the right club and the right coach, you you can get him to fulfil his potential or tap into it more than he already has. I think you have to be at a particular level already before a manager gets a hold of you though like mm. I, like if you look at it'd be interesting to compare Jota's first six months at Celtic versus Yang's first six months at Celtic because Jota okay didn't hit the ground completely running but he did enough in those early games to suggest that he was the real deal you know some of the if you remember the pass for Kyogo in Europe that was that was Jota, wasn't it? It was Jota to Kyogo. Mm-hmm. The, the pass where Kyogo took the ball, it took that amazing touch, and then buried it. Um, that that was the one where the the move starts and it comes to James Forrest first, doesn't it? And he yeah. brings it down on his like the side of his heel, mm-hmm. and then he and then releases Jota, and then the ball goes through to Kyogo. Aye, that, that was it was. Yeah, but you could you could but there was then same same with Matt O'Reilly. Matt O'Reilly did the come in, come into the club as this. Rolls Royce of a player as he's turning out to be, but there was enough what you, in what you saw in Matt O'Reilly early on to know that a good coach, be it Postecoglou or Brendan Rodgers, would would get 
a lot more out of him. And I just think that it'll be interesting to see what um, this new guy looks like straight away. Because immediately, your, your, your first impression, people's first impressions of Quan and only impressions of Quan are from a pre-season friendly and now he's on loan at St Mirren. That's not a good look. For anybody involved, that's not a good look. For us, no. for our scouting team, for him himself, um, I mean, I've got a good mate who's a St Mirren fan, season ticket holder. I play football with him every Tuesday, so I'll get updates from him as to how um, chaos ensues in the rest, the rest of Glasgow. Um, I was going to make the point. I was going to make the point, JP. There is someone in your area who knows that you go live on ah, Thursday at twelve thirty, and they're in, believe I me, say something there, <laughs> and and they go they go at quarter to one, and they put the siren on because it's no, a Believe me, it's, it's it's incessant. I mean, I'm sure it's incessant all over Glasgow, to be fair. Maybe not in the, the leafy climbs of Bears Den or Mulgai or whatever, but... Uh, no, back to what I was saying about Quan, I've got a mate who's a St Mirren fan, so I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to getting real updates, not data, not, you know, newspaper chat or whatever. You all, I think you always get an honest appraisal from someone who's a lifelong fan of a club and what they see in a player um, usually dictates reality <laughs> and, uh, and I trust I trust Neil's judgement he's a football nut so I'll look forward to hearing what he has to say about Quan going forward because it's a weird one that is a weird one how much did we pay for him? a million? a, a million a sweet million pounds and I don't know that's not a lot but it, it's a third of what we've just spent on, on, on Cunt so, <laughs> what what's the um? This is the thing, JP. Right, on its own, isolated. Yeah, in terms of where Celtic are, it's not a great deal of money to to pay for a player. But when you add them all up, and this is the thing, it's when you add all those players up. And I know that there's no exact signs, but I'm going to go back to what you said about fifty fifty not being good enough. And I agree with you. And the reason I agree with you is because Celtic Football Club, JP, should have the best people possible in these positions when it comes to scouting and recruitment they should have the absolute best people in their field at that level working on this type of thing and I think that's the frustration because I was at um, a presentation that was given uh, by a championship club talking about recruitment and using data for recruitment and it's no you know money ball kind of style but it's using data and then what happens is your recruitment can, can compile a shortlist. And at that stage, that's when you want to have a closer look at a player. And if Celtic aren't doing that well enough, so, right, we need a, a right winger who can also play on the left. We need someone within this age bracket who's played this amount of games and this is the wage and this is the transfer fee that we're looking at. You type it into the system and you get X amount. Okay, we don't want to uh, shop in this market, this market, and, that, and then it comes down and down and down until you get let's say half a dozen players, JP, and at that point, that it's at that point that you do what Mialbi was telling us. You go and watch the player. You give it the eye test. You go and watch them. And then you do what Ange did. You speak to them. Is this player going to fit into my dressing room? Is he going to fit into the mentality and the culture of this football team? And then you make a decision on it. And I think previously, have we been doing it to that degree? Did we go to Argentina to watch Burnaby? Probably exactly. not. Fergus introduced something when he was at the club and by the way anybody's banging on about oh you're talking about Ange you're talking about Fergus 
it's all relative to the conversation that we're having. So Fergus McCann, there was a rule at the football club that was broken once, JP, right? And that when we signed a player, we had to see him. We had to have eyes on the player first. And there was one player that they broke the rule with. And that one player was Harold Bratback. Mm. Right? And Harold Bratback, um, Fergus took Vim Janssen's word for it. Vim Janssen was determined that we were going to sign this guy. And he fight. And actually, if you look at Bratback at the time, he was being chased by a lot of English um, Premier League clubs. He was a goal-scoring machine for Rosenberg, an absolute machine of a goal-scorer. And when you look at his career, about the only club that he wasn't as prolific at was Celtic. He went back to Rosenberg, scored a couple of goals against us in the Champions League, you'll remember. But he was the one player that we didn't go and look at. And then obviously once McCann has left the building and we start bringing in players from other regions, i.e. the Brazilian, Rafael, mm-hmm. um, and, and you start to question the process. I think the data is absolutely key because it gives you your shortlist. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But you've got to go and look at the player. And at that point, I think that's when the manager comes in. So the the, the transfer uh, process, the recruitment process, JP, it is a collective. You need the data. You need the scouting team. Um, and then going back to his first time at the club, speaking to someone in that, that scouting team a few years back, the process of you know, jumping on a plane and going and watch the player, it's still a real thing. They're doing it all the time. They're all over the place looking at players. Then they do their scout reports, they bring them back, they present them to the gaffer. And then, you know, and it whittles it down maybe from six to three, and then you're down to your, your, your final three on the page, guys that you can actually bring to the club. Are you doing, so, are you doing Martin and Neil when uh, Rock up at Neil Wenning's flat and insist on staying? <laughs> aye, until you see the state of the flat. Aye. That, aye. That's from the Alex Ferguson school of, of management, isn't it? Because he, he, he used to do that sort of thing where he would just kind of go on the charm offensive with the, the kids' parents and just be like, we'll do this, we'll do that. If he was, I mean, not that trying to sell Manchester United in the 90s or the noughties should have been a difficult thing, but if you're going up against, I guess, the bigger clubs in England, then maybe you do need to still, maybe we'd have still needed to do that um, at points. But I think it's always nice to have a bit of a personal touch when you're making a signing because it makes a difference to the player, especially if the player's coming from another country. Um, if it's just a case of, oh, we watched, we watched a, a showreel of you and your stats are good and you seem, you seem like a nice enough guy, <laughs> like it's better if there's actually been like a, a meal or something like that in, in Germany, or obviously it was in Germany, in, in Austria, um, you know, something a bit more kind of like, right, we're going to look after you type thing rather than you're just another number. Jimmy Bullard, aye, a weekend of playing golf and then told us he was in the sign, I remember that one. No, there's a great story George McCluskey tells about Jock Steen and Sean Fallon coming to his house and Jock was famously teetotal. So what he would do is he would stay in the house with the mother and the boy 
being George, obviously. Celtic had signed his brother John as well. And the dad would go for a pint with Sean. And Sean liked a nip. And, and that's how they worked it. That was how they, they worked the dynamic, JP. And then Jock's in the, the kitchen talking about, oh, what you've got a, a, a potty soup on, oh, that smells delicious, can I have a bowl? And he starts working on it. But by the time Sean brings the dad back from having a couple of jars, George McCluskey signing for nobody else. And there was mm. te- there was teams all over Britain looking at George. Oh, I know well, things have changed. I know things have changed, but it's that personal touch you're talking about. Have you seen the film Air about uh, Nike or Jordan? Trainer? Oh, yeah, it's been recommended, but I've not seen it. Brilliant. Really, really good film. And, it, and, and basically, um, Matt Damon's character is the recruitment guy for... Um, for Nike and he goes against the rules and travels all the way from oh god uh, Oregon to North Carolina which is a fair trip and he drove drove the whole way how much of this has been uh, kind of um, manipulated I don't know but the, the, the crux of the story is true that he broke the rules in that you weren't supposed to go and speak to anybody's parents to try and you know, uh, persuade them to become the star of Nike or the star of Adidas or whatever. But he went and his personal touch made the the deal was already basically done with Adidas and, and Michael Jordan would have been the face of the, the face of Adidas. But Matt, the, Matt Damon's character was like, no, we're going to make an actual shoe for your son. I'm going to call it the Nike or Jordan. And this is going to be our marketing strategy and blah, blah, blah. And and the mum listened to his pitch and then uh, believed in the guy and believed in the project. And that's how the whole Nike or Jordan thing became reality. And, and and also the other thing was that they made, because he was at the Chicago Bulls, they made the colours of the trainer red, black and white. Mm-hmm. But they made the dominant colours red and black, which was against the basket, the NBA rules deliberately so that they would be fined to create controversy over the trainer. So every time he wore those trainers, he was fined and Nike paid the fine, which was genius, genius really, when you think about it. Like, and you look back at the marketing campaigns and all the rest of it, and the, the, the first advert with the Nike or Jordans was was Michael Jordan bouncing the basketball and it, the camera kind of zooms up and he's wearing those trainers and it just it comes up like a band thing comes across it as if to create controversy and then right, suddenly... Right. Everybody wanted those trainers, you know, because they were they were out they were out of reach. And exactly, no, I need I need to check that, and I and I love that that type of film because it, it brings also back um, the fact that you're talking about a marketing a coup and all this kind of stuff, and our new signing um, Nicholas Cunn, the, the pictures of him wearing that really really cool Adidas tracks. So straight away. Bet that sold a few straight away because there many exactly. people you hadn't probably. I, had, I saw that tracky at Dundee away in Boxing Day for the first time. My pal's pal had it on in the pub before the game at Dens Park, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to need to get that." I, had, I think I knew that it, maybe it just passed me by when it came out, and I got the hoodie instead of the tracky, and then I was like, "Oh no, that tracky's really smart." And then you see the the new signing wearing it, and you're like. I could be tempted to buy that. And then how many other people? I mean, it's quite savvy that they chose that. Or maybe he chose it. Maybe he was like, oh, I'll wear that. And if if so, then that's a bit of a, a stroke of a stroke of luck on their part that they might have ended up selling a, a decent amount of tracky tops off the back of a of a signing. 
Oh, definitely. Uh, and, and by the way, someone else posted a, a vintage image of Joseph Vengloss back in the day uh, with a, no, it wasn't similar, but it was kind of like, you know, almost like a, a jacket crossover with a with a track. It was Adidas from back in the day. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, we love our jerseys. We love our, um, our kits. AJP, there's no doubt about this, but we're now in a situation where we're brought in a winger. Uh, we're going to be talking about where else we're going to strengthen because we're like that. It's like we need instant gratification as football fans these days, GP. You've given us a sign and give me another one. I want more. You know what I mean? And this is the thing and it's constant, isn't it? It's absolutely constant now where we want another signing. It was like um, the, last week when it was a, a Celtic player's birthday and I'm just thinking the guy on the social media team would have been like, there's no way I'm going to tweet this out because it's just going to be a deluge of abuse. Sign a player, where's the new signings? What it has done is it's left us with loads of winners. And when I spoke about this yesterday, I had actually forgotten that Haxabanovich was still at the club, albeit on loan to Stoke. Yeah. Um, so we run through the fact, okay, we've brought in Nicholas uh, Cunning to the club. Haxabanovich, yeah, he is a Celtic player, and it's not always as simple as getting rid of a guy. It's clear that Brennan Rogers doesn't like him or his social media output. But on top of that, we've got Mikey Johnson, Jamesy Forrest, Marco Tilio, Yang, uh, we've got Maeda, we've got Abada, we've got Palmer. I'm going to get fined if I say the young um, player who is the son of Rudy Vata. Hmm. So I'm not allowed to see him anymore because I talk about him too often. But obviously he's another winger. We've got loads of them, is, is my point. What does it mean for the rest of them, and in particular, Leela Bada? Because when I run through that list, the one I'm a bit worried about is Leela Bada. I mean, remember, we spoke about this last week when the speculation was there about um, signing another winger and we were kind of saying, if we're going to go out and spend three million on a on a player of that level, of that sort of... I mean, I know that, I think Kev mentioned yesterday that we signed Ball and Golly from Rapid Vienna for the same fee. But we've also signed Matt O'Reilly for one and a half million. We've signed Rio Hitati. So that, that, that it doesn't immediately mean that there should be any sort of red flag over that because we've signed a guy for the same fee from, the, from that club. It transfers, as everybody knows, doesn't always necessarily work like that. Um, but the fact that we've signed another weight winger of, of, for that fee would suggest that there'll be outgoings in both those areas, left or right, this this uh, this month, I would expect. I don't know if it will be a permanent transfer for Abada. I, I, it's all complete speculation at this moment in time. All this, Abada demanded a meeting with the club's hierarchy and Brendan Rodgers took him for dinner. Uh, that's been confirmed, but the, the whole demanding a meeting with the hierarchy and also all the all the stuff with pressure from teammates in the international setup, pressure from his manager, pressure from friends and family. That's all speculation as well. So at this moment in time, we don't know. But if he was to leave this this window, some of that would start to ring true and make sense. And if that, if that is the case, I mean, I, I know somebody tried to debunk that he didn't celebrate at St Mirren with the players because... He was going to do something. I don't know if he was going to do press or whatever. Um, I, 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 it's honestly just speculation. We don't know. But if he was to leave in, in this window, you would be like, right, well, there's obviously something going on there in that he's maybe getting grief from people in his homeland for the fact that he's playing for a club that 
whose majority of their fans have have decided to be on what they see as the right side of history and calling out um, what's going on because. I mean, that, that's my opinion. I know other people will say keep politics out of it, but this is a definitely a situation where politics may have come into it. Um, I, I, I don't think you can deny that in, in terms of what's going through his head and um, what's been communicated to him from back home. So if, if it's been the case that he's been made um, to feel uncomfortable about playing for Celtic because of this, but, I mean, there's huge rallies happening everywhere <laughs> on the regular on a Saturday, on a Saturday usually on a Saturday afternoon with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are standing up against this and voicing their opinion and voicing disapproval of what's going on so this isn't like we are like as a football club we guys shouting and shouting and showing up an empty close or whatever this is uh, I, I see it daily on Big, uh, various social media uh, platforms, people just going enough is enough and sharing the Irish uh, MSP uh, or MEP um, the other day with, with her um, kind of uh, points at the pulpit, which were, were pretty bang on as far as I'm concerned. Um, so that, there's all of that's going on. And if that has played into his thinking on where he should be playing his football and if he wants to go and play at a, a club where there isn't any uh, political um, voices, uh, then then fine. I, I I don't I don't have a problem with that. I mean, if it, if it's making him uncomfortable in his in his personal life, I don't think you can blame him. Um, you've got to see it from his point of view. I I I don't necessarily agree with him going along with that, but. If it, if, it, if it is the case, then that's that's what that's what will happen. It, is, it would seem weird because instead that he's just signed a new deal for five years. But like I said last week, he he, um, he signed that deal before um, before all this really kicked off again uh, with the attack on October the seventh and whatnot. So I don't know. It's, it's 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 a really it's a sad state of affairs that this is impacting a professional player's life really. Um, and then people will be like, "Oh well, we shouldn't be supporting uh, the Palestinian people." I, I mean, I think I would stand back at that point and disagree with that. No, because, totally, totally. Because these rallies are happening in in London and Glasgow and Edinburgh for a reason, and they're not yeah. that they're not full of maniacs and idiots, you know, that are that are doing this sort of thing. So, um, time will tell. We'll see what happens on thirty first of January. Who's who's here? Who's still here? But it would it would certainly say to me that. That there's going to be movement in that area because we're very very top heavy now and, and, and yeah. as we said we would be if, if he came in and now he's in the door and you've just listed all the players we've got Tilio would probably be the other one that you would expect to to. I don't, I don't really know what's going on with him either I mean Brendan Rogers' comments on him suggests that he's just not up to up to, up to scratch and for, for our league mm. um, the, the thing with um, with Cun is he's come in and he's only got Scottish football to concentrate on for the next six months. So he's got a fairly straightforward path in front of him in terms of what he has to negotiate. And you'd like to think, given where he's played so far, that the Scottish League will be something that he can potentially excel in rather than struggling. 
There's more of a, a risk, isn't there? If you if you bring a player in, I think from uh, Australian football, no disrespect to it. I've got a huge amount of respect for our Australian fan base as well. Um, Jared and the boys speak so highly of Marco Tilio, and of course we've got you know um, history of a player like Tommy Rogic who came in who was for me just a phenomenal talent. Uh, but on the flip side, you've got a guy who came in and Daniel Arzani who was very very highly rated. AJP didn't work out for him so for every Rogic you've got an Arzani for every Marco Viduca you've got a Marco Tilio kind of thing and it's one of these things I just think um, there, there is a transit the, the thing about uh, Viduca of course he was playing in Europe when we signed him he was playing for Croatia Zagreb but it's a, a huge transition and um, you know a massive transfer fee in terms of an outgoing um, Australian uh, Moy Moy's another one who was a, a very big uh, player for Celtic last season but yeah, it's one of the ones, if you want to run down the entire list and include Haksabanovic, who will be coming back at the end of the season uh, for a short spell or, or maybe longer if he digs his heels in, and young Vata, who might be out the door in this window. You've got 10 wingers. Uh, you've got to start moving some of them on. I don't want Abada to move because he's a quality player. But I'll always go back to this, JP, regardless of the reasons why. And the reasons could be you know, anything from contract disputes to you want more money to you want to play in a different league to on this situation uh, which is I, I would say quite unusual and unique whereby there's there's pressure politically for you to move if you're unhappy I don't think it's a good idea for you to stay at the club so if, if it means that you're unhappy and you can't concentrate fully on your football because your head's elsewhere then I think you've got to move on uh, I'd love Abad to stay because he's a phenomenal talent he really is and I don't think he's hit his peak yet at Celtic that he can attain um, and he'd be a massive loss Maida uh, and, and Palma the, the big discussion yesterday was around Palma because I think the first three months of Palma's career at Celtic JP have been more positive than not you know I know that he's inconsistent I get it he's a different type of winger than than uh, Jota uh, on the socials people were following up on the point saying he doesn't take on a man not every winger does there's a bad to take on a man. I don't think he's a jinky winger player who, who takes on a man and all this. But I think uh, Palmer's got other aspects of his game and he's contributed massively in the first six months here and he could build on that in the second six months. It, there's certain parts of his game he needs to refine. But I think he, he's been the signing of the summer and I know that there's not a big, a high benchmark on that respect in that respect, JP, but I'm a bit surprised at the flack that he was getting when I posted that out on the socials yesterday. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what people's thoughts on him would be had that goal stood in the Champions League against Lazio. Mm. Uh, I wonder how many people's minds would have been changed on, on him from that uh, because that was a huge, huge moment for him, for the club. <laughs> and it didn't go our way. And it, to think of how fine that margin was. Um, but Lewis Palm was capable of doing what we've seen him do. He's scored against Atletico Madrid. If you can score at that level, then you should be doing it week in, week out, no problem at all in Scotland. But my my only criticism of him has been, I've seen games where he's been completely off the boil, and but then can, can, can turn it back on the following week. The consistency is what Brendan Rodgers and all managers worth their salt before him, have demanded from, from Celtic players, guys that just clock in, 
at the start of a game and clock out at the end of a game and they know that they've done their job. And I can think of definitely the Easter Road game. If you look back and analyse Lewis Palmer's performance in that game, it was it was really poor. And, and, I, and I, I know that, by and large, we as a team that day weren't great, but that's a day when you're looking for somebody like him to pull something out of the bag with the the prowess that he possesses in a game like that, where it's nil-nil, it's sticky, it's away from home. Those are the precisely the type of games where you need someone like that to do to do the to do the business, and um, he didn't do it. And I know that he's done it in other games, and I know that his numbers are great, but he's not someone that I go into a game thinking, "Oh, we're guaranteed to get a great performance out of him today." Whereas I I, I do feel like that about um, Matt Riley, about Cal McGregor. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's that that's where you're at with them. And for a three and a half million pound player, I don't know. I'd be in, I I know we've not got a crystal ball, but it'd be interesting to see where Lewis Palmer goes from Celtic when he does go. I mean, not everyone leaves. Um, how they leave is usually the 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 interesting point. Whether it's running down a contract, whether it's been picked up for much more money from another club, or whether it's uh, off on loan somewhere or it'd be interesting to see what his trajectory is given that he's what 23 20, he's just turned 24 I think um, yes yeah seen the pictures yeah. of him yesterday celebrating his birthday yeah so um, I mean it, that, that, that that will tell you how good a player Lewis Palmer is as to where he is following Celtic yeah no you're right absolutely he's not the finished article but we go back to the original point you made JP if he was we wouldn't have got him and this is the thing that these players are going to have parts of their game that need refined. And once they get to that point, then you're looking at a Carter Vickers situation or a Hatati situation or, or an O'Reilly situation where there's then going to be massive interest because they've either uh, managed to develop under the, the regime or under the manager to a point where they've taken that step up. Uh, because if they don't take that step up, they'll, they'll remain at Celtic. And that's no disrespect to us as a football club. It's just that the minute you get to that point where you've actually managed to step it up a few levels, other clubs are going to be interested in. That's where we are. I'm going to bring this up because I mentioned Sean Fallon earlier on and Celt 88. Uh, rest in peace, Sean Fallon. A Celtic giant. Uh, Sean Fallon, of course, passed away 11 years ago today. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting him, JP. I had a, a, an incredible kind of two-three-hour meeting with Sean Fallon and it was um, outside Wintersgills in, is it Great Western Road in Glasgow? Yeah. And um, what happened at that point was I had been trying to get an interview with the former Celtic fullback Chris Shevlin, because when I'm doing any kind of research for a book, uh, I try and interview everybody who was there, everybody. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the interviews never made it anywhere near the book, mm -hmm. which was one of the reasons it prompted me to get uh, on the old podcasting game, because there was a lot of interviews that I felt were being lost to the depths of time because I wasn't mm. able to get them in the books. The, I've got the book. I don't know if you're looking for the Iron Man. Uh, but I've got the, the book on the shelf there. A brilliant book by Stephen Sullivan. And it was one of the best moments ever as a Celtic fan, JP. S just sitting out there, beautiful sunny day, chewing the fat with Sean Fallon. Unbelievable. Well, you got two or three hours. I got two or three minutes at Seamill Hydro. I think probably about 1998 or 1999. 
because uh, he was at David Hayes' daughter's wedding and my mate Michael Taggart, who was on with you, yeah. uh, his sister was getting married the same day at, in Seamill Hydro. So there was two weddings going on and it was an, uh, a, a Scottish-Italian wedding times two. And Sean Fallon was there as a guest of, of David Hay and I just walked along the corridor and I, I recognised him from the Celtic view. And I don't really, I think I did have a reasonable idea of how significant a moment it was when I met him. But when I shook his hand, it was just like an absolute giant hand. My, my hand just sort of disappeared into his hand. And uh, he asked my name and I said, John Paul. And he went, oh, you know what you are with a name like that? And then he uh, signed, signed uh, and a little scrap bit of paper. I've still got it. That's what I was looking for. I've got a, an old autograph book that's got some some Celtic players' autographs in it, and I've got that inside it. And it's just on like a little corner scrap bit of best wishes, uh, Sean Fallon. And uh, it, was a, it was a cool moment. Oh, legendary figure. And if you've not read the book, check it out. The reason I mentioned Chris Shevlin, of course, was um, Chris's son married Sean Fallon's daughter, which was mm-hmm. where the link was. And I ended up uh, meeting Sean Fallon uh, and eventually, you know, just sitting there for that length of time. And unbelievable. Unbelievable uh, I memories. It. I taped it. I've got the audio. I've got the audio it's... on a cassette, on an actual tape. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, we must remember the Celtic greats, and he was definitely one of them. David Boyle. It's slow going. I have to say. Now another midfielder that was on the cards. Really concerning. I wouldn't have thought that that was um, a priority. The ones on the the tagline for me are your priorities at left back and striker. Now you and Boy Martin. Uh, taking my youngest daughter to the game on Sunday, hopefully a good game with lots of goals. How do you think it'll go, JP? Because it never—it's not one of these ones because they're a team that that's uh, a provincial club or that you're going to automatically win at a canter. You can never approach these games like that. It never always works that way, does it? But it will be great. It will be great to get back to action. It will be great to see the new guy. Uh, obviously, we're a few players short because uh, of the Asian Cup. Um, but I expect it to be comfortable. I wonder if another keeper will get a run out. I mean, these are the type of game. <laughs> if you're Scott Bain or Benji Mins- Benjamin Segrist and you're not getting a game in a home tie against Bucky Thistle, why? I mean, what chance have you got? Sure, surely, the, I mean, I know that everybody would say we're your strongest team and everything else, and I, I guess I'm a, a supporter of that as well, but I mean, I just, what, how, how could you, I, I don't, I, somebody would then say, I'm sure if you looked at their bank account, they would be quite happy with their lot and mm-hmm. not, get, not getting to play games. But I, I would be desperate to play a game, any game <laughs> for Celtic if I was in the in the building as a, as, a, as a registered player in the squad and all the rest of it. And so if the team comes out on Sunday and Joe Hart's in goal, just don't know what that says for. Don't know what that says for the other keepers at the club because put it this way: if we had, if we had signed a, another keeper that was being sort of uh, prepared to take over from Joe Hart, and he was at the club right now, and he didn't get a game in that game, say Hart's still the number one, but he doesn't get that game on Sunday, then what what's going on? It's just such a weird scenario. I know the goalkeeper is a really niche position, but it's still, it would be strange to me if, if Joe Hart does, does start that game on Sunday, um, purely because 
we've seen so little of Benjamin Segrist at Celtic. No explanation given really for his long stretch of time out of the squad. Scott Bain overtaking him as a number two. I mean, I think you know what you've got with Scott Bain and a guy that's just happy to be at a club like Celtic and be getting paid well and all the the, the accolades and the trappings that come with being a Celtic squad player. And you think to yourself, what is Scott Bain going to do out with Celtic? Could probably be a number one, but he's not going to be a number one in the, in the English top league or anything like that. You know, he'd probably maybe, maybe championship. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. The, the links to this Kelleher guy are, are, are seem quite strong. I don't know if it's completely unrealistic given his wage, but um, I know one guy in particular that would love it if we signed him. I, I know a guy with the surname Kelleher, uh, Patrick Kelleher um, of the Heriot Watt and Edinburgh University CSC. Um, he'd be the first in line, although it is Kelleher with an E and Paddy's Kelleher with an I. So you'd probably be a little bit miffed at the at the difference there, but I always wanted I always wanted Celtic to sign the Mason. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, listen, I'll tell you something. Well, just because um, it would be so funny to have Mason in the back of a Celtic strip, and it, Paul Mason could have been a possibility in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And apparently Rangers were interested in him, and he stayed at Aberdeen, and then scored two goals against them in the in the Scottish Cup. Well, I, I don't know. It was it was the final, was it? It was one or the other, eh? It must have been the League Cup final because it was 89-90 and we won the Scottish Cup in 89-90. Right. Um, so. Okay, but on that on that topic, I, I don't want us to sign London Dykes, right, before anybody asks the question. Um, uh, Christopher O'Neill, thank you for supporting a Celtic state of mind. Um, you said, I've got a good feeling about Cun. Celtic should be doing more loan deals like Qantas at Mirren. We can only benefit if they're not getting into the Celtic team. 100% agree with you. We find ourselves in a very difficult situation where we don't have um, the the structure in Scottish football to get these guys games if they're not playing for the first team. There's a whole host of them. They, they can't. I think we've got one the ability to play one player over the age of 32 in the B team. JP and it's James McCarthy's played a few of their games. The rest of them just don't play. And it can be good for them. You look at a guy like Holm, and I know that... Um, there's been some illness in there. But if he doesn't get a game for Celtic, he doesn't get a game. And you can go weeks and weeks, sometimes months without playing. It's not good for the, the goalies. They, they never get any action. So, yes, uh, in the meantime, I think there's a whole host of players. And when you look at that winger list that I read out earlier, there are, for me, a couple of guys in there you could loan out. Uh, you want to make a, a decision on Tilio? Loan him out to a Scottish team. Is it homesickness? Does he need to go back to Australia? OK, well, it's not going to work out. Yang's the same. You know, now that we've got another winger in, put Yang out, get him games. Um, and what's, what's St Mirren getting? St Mirren's getting a £1 million player, albeit from the South Korean second division. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. And also, who's the other one? Adam Montgomery to Motherwell. Good move for the boy. Hi, it seems that there's been a lot of chat about the fact that we were going out after looking for a left back and Adam Montgomery is a left back and, and is on our books and just seems to perennially be getting put out on loan. Like, is Adam Montgomery ever going to make it at Celtic or are, are we just putting him out on loan for his own his own uh, football development I that's not going to be at Celtic? So we're, we're looking after him whilst we 
have the ability to negotiate loan deals with clubs because once he leaves us, he's on his own, isn't he? He's 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 out in the the big bad world, and he doesn't have Celtic to to look after him and and like I said, negotiate these deals and still pay him the wage that he's on and all the rest of it. I mean, I'm sure he's not on a king's ransom as a as a as a young player that's not really warranted a, a big contract at any point. But I mean, how many teams has he been on loan at now? St Johnston, Fleetwood. Uh, Aberdeen. I, yeah, I mean, it makes to me it makes more sense loaning him out to a Scottish team for his, but for his development, whether or not that's going to benefit Celtic at any point in the future, I, I don't really know, and it doesn't feel like it will. Um, the Quan deal, whilst it's again good for the player, will that benefit Celtic in the future, or is this just to have a player out playing games? for his own benefit, you know, uh, rather than kicking his heels on the bench or maybe playing the odd game for the for the B team. It just doesn't it, it doesn't that like I said earlier on, it doesn't look good for our signing strategy that we've paid for a guy to come all over or come from the other side of the world to come and play for us, play half an hour in a pre season friendly, not really set the world on fire in that presumably not doing much in training to suggest that he's worth a place in the bench apart from once recently and he didn't get on and now he's alone at St Mirren like Aye. that's that's a weird that's a pretty weird trajectory um, for, for, for a player who allegedly said that he wants to play down south uh, at the top level so I don't know if that is actually what he said or if it's been misconstrued or whatever the thing with that, though, talking about the strategy, JP, I think that's the most important part of that conversation because if, for example, Lagerbielk leaves in this window and there's suggestions that he might, that's £4 million over two players that came in in the summer and left in the winter. <laughs> that I think that's your biggest message, loud and clear, that the strategy didn't work. And um, if you if you then maybe throw another one in the mix, because there's talk about Tilio, throw another one in the mix, that's a third of the guys you brought in. Now mm-hmm. out the door within six months. So yeah, so that's that won't be five and a half million because Tilio was one and a half. That's five, five and a half million pounds on three players who barely contributed. It's just that's not good enough. So anybody out there saying I'm some sort of bored apologist, they've just wasted you, me, and thousands of other people's money on three players. Like here's seven hundred pound for my season ticket. Here's 60 quid for a top here's you know X amount for whatever I buy at the games on a Saturday or whatever day the game's on here's all this money that I'm contributing towards what you're doing with it and what you've done with it isn't isn't great and that's that's astonishing far from happy about that as a Celtic fan and and whoever has pulled the trigger in those signings I'm far from happy with them whether that's the board or the recruitment team or whoever um, combination, I genuinely don't think it's Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> no, this is the thing. And if Brendan lets him leave, um, then he's telling you it wasn't his doing. Mm. No, he is telling you that he, he's washing his hands of it. Um, someone mentioned yesterday, I never got around to bring it up about the James McCarthy deal. Yeah, JP and I have spoken about it a fair bit. Um, but let's not forget when McCarthy came in the building, the CEO was not Michael Nicholson, it was not Peter Lowell, 
It was Don McKay. So who knows who um, signed off that deal. FTB, great to see you. Good afternoon. Hoops Troops, bring back Screamer Selica. Hail, hail. I love a bit of the Screamer Selica. Listen, it may come back. And it's one of these things, availability of people to come on it, etc. But there's a lot of changes happening at Axom as we speak. And I would love to bring it back. Talk about music for an hour. JP, I'm going to ask you about uh, a wee gig that you told me about before we came on live because it was right up my street and it's got a bit of a twist. Tell us about, everybody knows the relationship between Oasis and King Touch Wawa Hut. Of course, that's where they were um, seen for the first time by Alan McGee who decided to offer them a record deal on the basis of the set that wasn't even in the diary and the whole thing's turned into a, an incredible rock story. Um but there's another Oasis band coming. It's a tribute band. Tell us a wee bit about it because I find that's going to still be brilliant. Definitely one of the most mental things that's ever, uh, that I've ever come across anyway. Uh, there's a French Oasis tribute band playing next month on the 9th of February. It's a Friday night. And they got in touch with the bookers at uh, Tuts and asked, asked to play purely because they're obviously Oasis staffed and... Uh, the connection with the, the venue is undeniable. But in that band, on bass guitar, is former French uh, footballer uh, Eric Domeco, played at left back for Marseille and Monaco, and also played in uh, the 92 93 season game against Rangers and in the final against Milan. And I, I, I don't know the backstory of how he ended up being in an Oasis tribute band, whether it was him that started it or not, it may well have been, um, but the, the 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 videos that you can see online of them, they're all wearing Man City tops and uh, pretty green stuff and all the rest of it. It's quite, it's quite something. If nothing else, it will be a good laugh, I think. Of, of, it is bizarre. It's yeah. bizarre. You know, just in that, that two minute or that one minute description, you've sold me on it. I mean, I want to go to that. I don't. I don't know what I would be getting myself in for, but uh, I'm, going, I'm going to rep it just so that I can meet the guy and uh, have some patter with him and find out find out exactly how it all came about and how he ended up being in an Oasis tribute band. It's incredible. I mean, we're big in France. I nearly went. Weirdly enough, I nearly went to see Oasis in Marseille, um, which I'll talk to him about it. I wonder if he was actually at that at that gig. But when I was living in, in, in France, when I was at uni, Oasis were playing a gig in Marseille. And I remember asking people about it and they put me off going because they just said Marseille was really dodgy and I wouldn't go down there yourself. I mean, I was, what, 20 years old at the time. And they were just like, nah, don't don't go there, don't go there. So I, I didn't make the journey. It was only, Marseille, Nice to Marseille is only a couple of hours. So it's not, it wouldn't have been that mental a journey to do so um but I, it was on the standing of the show standing on the shoulder of giants too uh oasis played and a fairly big venue in marseille actually and they always and like the, did all right in paris as well was it in france that they split up their final gig I'm sure it was Might well be. you've you've made me quickly check the 1993 uefa champions league final between marseille and uh, ac milan we know that Marseille won it. And I was saying to you before we, we came on live, JP, they were never revoked. That title was never revoked. It was the league title that was revoked uh, due to Bernard Tappy, um, yes. they appropriately named. And the goal that, that was scored, the one and only goal that was scored for Marseille in the final was Basil Bowley. Um, 
Marseille had a phenomenal Adidas equipment jersey. You will remember it white with sky blue. But mm. listen to this for names. This is, for me, this is vintage football from my youth, right? So the AC Milan team, Rossi, Tassotti, Maldini, Albertini, Costa Cota, Barese, Lentini, who for a spell was the world's most expensive. Twelve and a half million. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, Rygaard, Van Basten, Donadoni and Massaro on the bench. Jean-Pierre Papin, who oh. obviously... Oh, who played with Marseille and some of the names in the Marseille team Bartes um, a guy called Eric Di Meco who whatever happened to him Basil Boley Frank Sozé Marcel Desailly uh, Alan Boxic Rudy Voller Abedi Pele Didier Deschamps mate that was that was vintage Boxic. football Boxic what a, what a striker he was Alan Boxic yeah. <laughs> and the guy playing left back is going to be at King Touch playing bass guitar in an Oasis tribute band. This is a kind of thing you get on Axon. <laughs> <laughs> well, occasionally you can tie football and music together, and that's certainly a. It definitely I mean, is. It ah. definitely is. Seamless. Absolutely seamless. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. A thousand strong on this Thursday afternoon. It's always an absolute pleasure. Get uh, subscribing to the channel. Give us a big thumbs up and get involved in everything that we're doing. Uh, quite a few live events coming up involving uh, Axon. Really looking forward to it all. All that's left for me to say once again, JP Mason, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Yes, bro. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.